we're missing someone. Uh-oh, there he is. Okay. I can hear you. I just don't have headphones on. Oh, my gosh. Okay, Tim, fix your hair. Yeah, no, it's it's a big deal. It's a lot of hair. Okay, fix your hair. All right, welcome to More Than Nice. Um, we are having an all-competitive, all-the-time, all-discussion, hair-fixing competition. Who can get their hair fixed quicker, Tim or Evan? I'm good. <laughs> we good? We're good. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, if you've been paying attention to our podcast and paying attention to our Facebook webpage, we have two special guests on tonight. Um, one I've known for a while and one I met just recently at MomCon. Uh, played a game with them. It was really nice. Um, we have the Arcane Assist guys on tonight. We have Evan and Tim. Welcome, guys. Uh-oh. Oh, is this when we talk? You Uh-oh. can, actually. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going? Can Tim, can you hear us? Yes, sorry. Okay, making sure you hear uh, us. I had uh, to quickly <laughs> mute the Twitch stream, which I was following along in, because I did the smart thing and refreshed my browser so I could see everything nicely, and then nice. all of a sudden heard everything in duplicate at a slight delay. Oh, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just make sure you mute it and you can, you can follow along. Um, if Make sure people are typing in the chat and we can make sure that's all working because we did have to do a major update to XSplit. And hopefully mm. that'll do it. Yep, it is working. This, Give me a second. Got a darn major updates. Yeah. yeah. Right before we go live, that's how it goes. Oh, yeah. It's the best always. time. Thank you, Maximum DT Words. Uh, I can make sure we're sounding okay. Everything should be the same. Other than that. We're going to be talking about, let's see, competition, pod, competition, doing a podcast um, about gameplay. We are also going to be talking about movies. We are going to be talking about Tim Banky's hair. Who doesn't? It's kind of the best. I'm, I'm not just saying that because it's my hair. I I recently donated a bunch of it to charity, and uh, they were very happy and receptive to to get it. Good, that's awesome. Sweet. <clears throat> and of course, always below me, and especially in the middle, is my man John Spencer. Hello. There he is. So um, before we start, we want to let everybody know uh, if you are a subscriber to our patron and you are at the two dollar level, just to let you know that you will be getting. Your awesome, awesome dice. Can you hear that? Oh, dice. See, you will be getting your dice pretty soon. I will be sending them out in the mail most likely Tuesday. So be on the lookout for that. If you are not a patron subscriber and you'd like to get on that, we appreciate it. Because um, we do have to pay a lot of the bills. Uh, some of it out of pocket, especially our first, what, two months? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we had to pay a lot of it out of pocket. So no big deal. Um, also, if you don't forget... This month's model, painted by Seth Watkins, is going to be the Gorman. Uh, and if you've seen it, he's done some really, really, really good um, OSL on it. And we will be giving that away to one of our $15 subscribers. Other than that, John, what about our patron? What, what's the one thing I'm missing? Something that came up just recently. Do you mean our, our podcasts and videos from myself and Seth, respectively? Yes. Yeah, you also, uh, if you're, uh, what, the $5 level? I think that's it. Yes, sir. Uh, you get both uh, minis and movies, which is my solo podcast, put out every other week or so. And then the once a month 
Uh, <laughs> Seth puts out a video on painting. He's still going through his how to paint an army quickly, um, which is very, very good advice if you're interested in painting an army quickly. Hence the title. Yeah. He's doing what? How to paint an army in 30 days? <laughs> or false advertising, yes. No, it is It is definitely uh, it is definitely good advice. Uh, we, more than quit your job and just paint all the time. We've been trying, every time we come on, we try to tell everybody that Seth is going to do like one once a week or like seven <laughs> times a month, and he keeps on telling us, you know, once a month. Shit. <laughs> He's like, no, once a month, guys. Once a month. We're like, no, 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 no. So, <laughs> um, but I guess oh, yeah. you give a pass. He does paint the model we give away, so I'll give him a pass. Yeah, he does. And he does a really good job. So, yeah, if you are definitely in the $15 subscriber, uh, I would definitely get in on this one because the Gorman looks gorgeous. Um, other than that, let's talk about something that's very, very dear and close to my heart. Makes Drinking. me feel happy. <laughs> Makes me awesome. And that is alcohol. So, let's go with my buddy John. What are you drinking tonight? Well, I'm going to sh- start off with a shot of uh, Captain Morgan's Cannon Blast. And then I'm following it up with that uh, Jägermeister Spice Vanilla and Cinnamon mixed with uh, Dr. Pepper. You don't fuck around, sir. That is that is some hardcore high school fraternity shit right there. Hey, I'm man. into this. No, no, no. That's, so, that's good. I think I dated a girl when I was 16 who had the same mix. Like, you're into this. I, I just like stuff that tastes good. I don't. No, no. I, I had no that. idea we were dealing with you know this professional grade alcoholism. No, no. If it was professional grade, I'd grab the bottle of uh, maple bacon. Uh, Vodka that tastes horrible. Uh, you want not you good. You want maple-based alcohol. You you've come to the right place, sir. Right? Oh. us Canadians, oh, it, we know our way around maple alcohol. Oh, sort of leash, absolutely. I mean, I've got I got this Jim Beam maple that is not great, but it was free, so I do not argue with free alcohol. Which, if I remember correctly, um, the guy I sponsored at MomCon. Should be bringing me a bottle? Am I... Am I right? Uh, yeah? Is that... Yeah, yeah. That'll happen. Yeah. <laughs> that's, definitely, that's definitely in the works. For, uh, is, what's the uh, What's the plan on the whole, like, whiskey and cigars at that uh, Warm Machine Weekend? Is that still... Oh, I'm actually going to be making a post it? about that, uh, and we're going to do a, a divide. But let, let's, let's, not, let's not skip ahead to the awesome thing that is Warm Machine Okay. Weekend. Sorry, let's I didn't... Let, I didn't, let's go I didn't mean to... To give up the reveal. Yes. Let's go with a young one, Evan. Well, speaking of War Machine Weekend... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. like... We know what's up. Yeah. Just sort of lead. That's all you're doing tonight. Just sort of lead. Yeah, I mean, I have some other stuff on the shelf over there, but why bother? <laughs> okay. It's <laughs> not wrong, you know. <laughs> so, um, Banky, what you got for me? Um, so this this uh, this thing we did last week was called Oktoberfest. So I've I've been kind of spoiled for <laughs> because uh, I had a lot of a lot of beers in Munich, and I had a lot of beers in uh, Belgium too, where they they're pretty okay at beers. It turns out. Um, so I'm I'm moving over to the hard stuff here, which we do fairly well in North America. I've got some pretty decent Kraken still kicking around, oh, and I'm cool. mixing it with Dr. Pepper because I'm at the store right now, and there's Dr. Pepper available in the fridge. I cannot argue with that. Kraken and Dr. Pepper is a favorite of mine as well. 
it's uh, something of a classic. And I, you know what? I felt like I felt like you guys would be a group of people that would appreciate it. Absolutely. See, I've never had Kraken and Dr Pepper. I've had Kraken, just never Kraken and Dr Pepper. I put anything uh... in Dr Pepper. I try anything with Dr Pepper. <laughs> it, it probably, it probably works. Any. So uh, I used to work in a call center where we we sold a digital phone product, and we used to joke that uh, digital phone was the third most talked about DP at the company. <laughs> and uh, everyone would be like, "What's the second most, or what's the third most, or the second most talked about one?" And uh, we would always explain it was Dr Pepper. <laughs> it got some looks. That's that's a that's classic call center jokes there. They're way too vulgar, and often you need to be really tired to truly appreciate them. Oh, wait, we're vulgar. We just got to be tired? careful about it. Wait till later in the evening. So I'm going to go with my standard. I'm going to be drinking Maker's Mark. Ooh, classic. And when I'm drinking Maker's Mark, I'm going to go ahead and chase it with some honey brown. So other than that, let's go ahead and give a shout out and a shout out to all of us. So tip it up, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. That makes my body tingle. It makes my tongue dance. Mm -mm -mm. Alright, so let's talk about something that I really want to talk to y'all about. Because I'm actually new to this game. And have had to learn about all this stuff. And before we get into the really good questions and the hype about competitive play, I want to talk about your podcast real quick. Okay, cool. Um, Y'all run a podcast called Arcane Assist. I, I don't want to cut you off, um, Gonzo, but uh, technically it's a YouTube channel. Oh. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Let me just backtrack. We don't, we don't actually podcast, per se. Okay. Y'all do a YouTube channel, Arcane Assist, where y'all do battle reports. We do, yes. And I actually watch it quite regularly. And oh, well, it is for you. one thing that I really like about that y'all do that nobody else does that I really appreciate is I don't have to sit through four hours of a game to watch y'all play. Y'all actually speed up your speed up your YouTube stream with, mm -hmm. and y'all yep. talk about what you do and not just have it as a regular game. And I actually really appreciate that because I like to watch people play battle... I like battle reports, but I don't like to watch three hours of a battle report. Yeah, it can be a bit much. Um, one of the, the things... And, and uh, I mean, I, I like to think that our, we have a very uh, delightful brand that Evan and I have worked really hard at creating a, a good product, and we put a lot of attention to the formula, but we definitely... Like, we stole elements from the things that we loved. I used to record with uh, Mini Wargaming pretty regularly, and... If you play a two-hour game at Mini Wargaming, the actual rendered video is almost three hours long with all the, the banter and the details. And yes. while that's fun, and it certainly has its place in its market, uh, we wanted to offer something that uh, people could fit into their schedule a little bit easier. And uh, I watched... I, I didn't watch anything. Evan did all the work here. Um, but uh, Evan watched some videos by uh, the folks at Advanced Maneuvers, and they do something a little bit similar. Um... And I used, to, I used to have a podcast under the Arcane Assist brand with uh, with Matt Clark. So what I wanted to make sure was a big part of the video we produced was a real commentary-focused, uh, insightful, perspective-based discussion of the game uh, and a game. So we record the game. We play an authentic game. We don't pull any punches or add any bullshit or make up things or manipulate dice. We just play a game in a steady camera. 
and then we speed it up to two times speed, and we sit down immediately after playing the game, and we overlay audio onto it. Mm-hmm. And that often takes a conversational style and is, is the two of us having a discussion about the game. Uh, and while providing as few spoilers as possible for the game, we try to give some perspective into what we were thinking when we, we did the stuff. And I, it, it has... I, I can't speak to my viewers, but the game process of, of recording like that has, has made me a better player. Forces you to look at your game in a very, very real way. Well, I mean, like, I'll watch it, and especially I'm really interested in anything that has to do with Grimkin, because I'm playing in the German League, and I actually think about using them competitively, and so I watch everything, especially um, about them, and I'll watch y'alls, and I'll be like, oh, this is really, really cool, this is really nice, it's very informative, it's fast, I understand it, I don't have to work, worry about it in a lot of things, and I don't have to, like, fast forward to go through everything to make it, you know, keep me attuned to it. Because I tried to watch someone else's podcast that was doing Grim- a Grimkin battle, and I was just like, "Oh my god, we're only on round one at B, and we're an hour in." And I was like, "It, it, it made me appreciate what y'all did and what y'all do on your." Well, thank yeah. you. I I really I dig that. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, we have a Wanderer video coming out tomorrow. If you're so keen to watch, <laughs> oh yeah, Wanderer gets yeah. who? Helena. In Legions of Dawn. And what's Wanderer's theme? Uh, Bump in the Night. Bump. Ah. Yeah, w- Wanderer can totally play in Dark Menagerie, uh, but I wanted to showcase uh, Bump in the Night. I wanted to show off Manet Slayers, who I don't think we've had on the channel yet. Sweet, sweet. Well, I know that you and I have talked about, Grimkin and I always ask you quite a few questions about, like, hey, and I'll ask you, like, rules question, because I'm like, I know it works like this, but everybody's bitching at me that it's, it's too powerful. Am I right? And you're like, Gonzo, yes, get over it, alright? You're right. Just <laughs> get it done. I, I try to, right. when you ask me those kind of questions, I try to give you the, like, the way to explain it to somebody so it's easier to understand. Because I think the barrier a lot of people have is, uh, it's fine, like, this is, this is, I mean, something that I imagine people who teach high school math can appreciate, but it's fine to have the right answer, but you also have to be able to show how you got there. Yes. Correct. Because, I mean, just an example, guys, um, this last week I played, it was my first game playing um, the Dreamer. And I, I, I'm oh, learning her. She's, she's pretty complicated and she's a challenge. And one of my guys... She's pretty complicated. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. And so I was playing her and someone killed one of my guys within her control area and I went and popped her, you know, her uh, arcana, her personal arcana. And All fall I'm, down. Yeah, all fall down. So I, I'm reading it, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, oh shit, I didn't realize that it didn't have that saying. And if you don't know, um, whenever you pop a arcana, anytime a model kills another Grimkin model, they're knocked down at the end of their activation. And typically, and you see it that you're knocked down if you're within her control area, but that little phrase isn't in there. So... All you gotta do is kill the model with inner control area, and anybody on the board that kills a Grimkin model gets knocked down. Yup. And my players were like, that's fucking bullshit. That's broken as shit. And I'm like, mmm. See, I'm reading it. I'm going by the letter, the letter what it says here. And there's like, well, I think they probably meant it the other way, that you had to be in the control area. <laughs> I go, but it doesn't say that. Yeah. Let's look at this card and read it the way it is. Bullshit or not, it clearly does not say in the control area, so Correct. that's the way it is. And so I was making bullshit, sure, but it sounds a lot like your problem. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and, and that's what I have to go with. I mean, because I look at the card, I read the card, and I'm like, well, I know someone that'll definitely tell me if maybe they're, it was supposed to be errata or, you know, they're looking into it. And I'm like, yeah, hey, Tim, I'm reading this right, and I'm doing this right, right? Yeah? And you're like, yep. And I'm like, ah, fuck y'all. You're all knocked down. <laughs> and oh, man, that they hate that. But I know. had a... I had a game on Saturday where I was playing the Dreamer and I triggered it and my opponent's like, okay, so now I just have to make sure I kill things while out of your controller and I was like, oh, no, sorry. That's that's not how it's going to work. Yes. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Knocking uh, down so stalkers is super good. Now it's time to CRA everything? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, my, the, the person I was playing with against was playing with uh, Gatorman and so he had all these troops and I had laid out all this stuff out there where, okay, you kill them, knock them down, and you're all knocked down. So pretty much his entire army was knocked down at the end of the game. Or at the end of the round, and he was like, that's just bullshit. And I went, sucks to be you. Yeah. <laughs> my, uh, yeah. my favorite moment for All Fall Down is uh, is when they when they commit. I was playing against a Crix player who sent his stalker in, and the stalker kills the first thing, and I was like, now your stalker's knocked down. And he was like, oh, knocked down stalkers are not okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is no bueno if you're the Crix player. Correct. He'd just die. Yep. So, going back on your podcast before we go ramble off and everything. Uh, um, YouTube channel. Or YouTube channel, sorry. Oh, wait, we, we got a new high score. We're actually in double digits now, aren't we, John? We are. This is episode 10. Y'all are episode 10. Give a dance. Okay. We'll get past our high score. If we don't say a high score, Seth will get mad at us. New high score. But... Um, and I, I, I actually really like watching y'all's YouTube pan- channel because of the fact that y'all don't add too much crap to it. You speed it up, and it's not a slow drag out type thing. And I guess you said that Evan is the uh, guy that does all this for you. Yeah, Evan does all the work. I'm literally just a pretty face. We have a, a Facebook chat that's called uh, where my nickname is all of the work, and Tim's nickname <laughs> is the brains, and uh, John's nickname is the location. Because uh, we we're filming a most of the videos at his house. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> we, I mean, we I know what we contribute. <laughs> yeah, we. <laughs> everybody knows what they do. <laughs> Their job. So I just wanted to say, give a good shout out, y'all, because I really like that. It 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 makes watching battle reports a whole much more. Yeah, I appreciate that. And if anybody ends up with uh, questions about you know our process or what we're into, we're we're more than happy to talk about that. And uh, that doesn't just go for this stream. You know, you can always message us. Uh, I like to think we're pretty open-minded and receptive to conversations about those kind of things. Um, as as previously discussed, I'm I answer rules questions any hour of the night. He will. I'll message him at like three o'clock in the morning, and he's like, "God damn it, Gonzo!" I can see him just picking up and he's starting to type. <laughs> No, I'm Canadian. Gotta be nice. You are okay, Gonzo. <laughs> no, I think I think I'm the uh, the kind of rare Canadian exception where I don't even have the passive aggressor. It's just it's just veiled sarcasm and actual nice guy. That's all I got here. You fail your sarcasm? I can't. Right, bother. like it's 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 my nature again. Too many people uh, around me wouldn't get it if I veiled it. <laughs> I had that problem last night. My uh, my partner and I were out uh, for dinner with a, another couple, and uh, I said something, and she was like, I don't even know if you're being sarcastic anymore, and I <laughs> should probably know. So, yeah, too, too subtle. A little bit. 
All right, let's get back to the meat and potatoes of everything because we need to talk about competitive play. Um, and this is how do I put this? We've all been to a tournament, and we've all handled those type of people. When I mean those type of people, you walk in, you come to the tournament, and you've got this guy that's just a major douche. He's you mean all TFG. about. You, how does he's a fucking <laughs> asshole? Yeah, it's it's TFG oh, that fucking guy. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. is there to win at no call co- at all costs. Mm-hmm. That is hundred percent about all the rules, hundred percent about everything. No social aspect, no anything, but here's the rules, I'm looking down the rules, I'm doing this, fuck you, you know, so on and so forth. And the reason why I asked, and it, it goes for Evans, Evan and both y'all, I should say, is every time I've had an interaction with y'all playing the game or outside of the game, it's always been a pleasant one. And anytime I tell somebody, you know, you... you you got to learn to be able to play this game without being a dick. Because eventually you're going to get the reputation of that fucking guy. That nobody wants to play. And when people were talking about they wanted to talk about competitive players or talk to a good competitive player, the first person that came in my head was you, Tim. Because you're very competitive, but you're not a dick about it. I see. It's interesting you you talk about that because I, I spent a long time in this community uh, primarily as a judge before I was ever like a really um, respected competitive player. And one of the things that I, I I got lucky with is I met a lot of the the best players in the world and and became kind of friends with them and really kind of understood what the personality of a really high level war machine player is. And universally, those guys, I mean, with, with the, the rarest of exceptions, the best players in this game are really, really nice people. And what it comes down to is uh, what it takes to get to the top. And you can win a tournament by being a dick. You can win a tournament by screwing someone over. And you can do well at an event on the strengths of things that occur outside of the game, like making your opponent mad and being... Uh, really gotcha about rules. But you're not going to consistently perform like that because you're not learning the lessons you need to learn. And those lessons are how to win despite those things. How to see those vectors in your game that make you grow and increase your, your capability as a player. So the best players in the world, like they give all the takebacks, they're extremely meticulous about their play, they're really, really kind in and out of the game because like, you don't get better if you don't have the right attitude. Well, I mean, as an example, um, I was talking to a very competitive player, not going to name names or anything, and I was like, well, what do you plan on using as your list? Because I'm curious. And it's not even a faction I play, and I wasn't going to be playing in the event. He's like, well, I'm not going to tell anybody because I'm going to be top secret because I don't want anybody to be able to tech around this already because I found this secret secret thing. And I'm like, okay, so ah. to me, that's just not... I mean, and they can do that. That's that's fine. They don't have to reveal your list. But the way I look at it, and as a community, if you're going to have it, somebody's going to see it, and then someone's going to tech around it, no matter what it is. So, it kind of it, it kind of gets me. And for the majority of the part, most War Machine players, and especially most tournament players that are the big names, are very cool, very relaxed. We'll talk about anything so on and so forth 
And like I said, whenever I found out, you know, that some people wanted to talk about that, I was like, me thinking you, because you're like, yeah, try this, Gonzo. See if this works. Um, no, that's not going to work, and this is the reason why I want this in the list and not that in the list. And you describe it, and you say why. Yeah, I think um, open information is more valuable. Like, I think as players, we're going we're gonna to learn more and grow more if we're just really receptive with each other. And I had a really positive conversation, actually uh, many, many positive conversations uh, with uh, Johan, who's a member of the Swedish WTC team. And we, we had to hang out and drink beers last week. Uh, but he was like, he was saying, here's what I'm bringing to answer Ghostly. What do you think of this? And I was saying, oh, I think this is good, or this isn't good, or this is strong, or this isn't strong. And, and we talked back and forth about it for ages. And at one point I was like, you know, we, we are on competitive teams. Is that a thing that bothers you? And he was like, no. Because, like, we are going to play games and we're going to do well. The odds of us seeing each other are possible, but not necessarily even good. And we both benefit more from being involved in a conversation that, that cares about these things and talks to each other. And I, I just really appreciated hearing that from somebody else. It's always been kind of a thing that I thought or that I felt in a really real way. But, I mean, I won a convention with Ghost Fleet and then proceeded to go on with the Fully Boosted guys and do an entire episode about how every single faction in the game can answer Ghost Fleet and offer list suggestions and ideas. Like, I could have just gone and won another convention with that list and not told anybody those things based on secret tech. But instead, I, I wanted that information to be out there in the world so people could be more excited about the game. And you went and won that con anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess I did. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'd like to win on the merit of my ability as a player, not on the merit of the degree to which I'm effective at keeping secrets. And, and, and that's kind of what my point is. I, I have more respect for the people that win based on their playability than their, oh, gotcha at this right moment, or, you know, the hidden thing that hadn't come out until just now type thing. So, I mean, and, and that's the reason why I had asked you to be on here. Well, thank because, you. We're honored. I mean, I'm yeah. honored. Well, and also, and, you know, Evan's over here sitting, you know, real nice and quiet and, you know, looking like a 10-year-old with a prepubescent mustache. And so, I, <laughs> I love you. Wow. <laughs> As fuck. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, and, and, uh, and, and not only did I want Evan to be on here because he's, you know, part of your arcane assist, but I know that when we, him and I played at um, MomCon, there was still some new stuff because I was still learning the list because I'd just taken that list and went there with that and I was still learning and he was playing me and he at the end of it he, you know you asked him how'd you do and he goes well it's fucking Kador and <laughs> I was like oh, damn it don't get mad at me Evan and, and it wasn't I mean so from your perspective Evan being with Tim Banky and doing stuff with him um, what do you think about the competitive scene? well you, you always have some... <laughs> I was about to use the phrase, a few bad apples, but the rest of that is spoiled a bunch. Um, but that, that's not really true, because the people who uh, who are gotcha, who are going to be all about those rules, who are going to be a dick about it, those guys are going to get bored. They're going to leave because no one will want to play them, and they won't be able to get better at their rules game or whatever the hell they're trying to do. And eventually you're just going to have your good batch of apples and you're going to have a fantastic competitive community. And like with players like Tim, like 
um, JVM, who's just a fantastic guy in real life, cultivating that spirit of competitiveness, those those nice players who are playing the game to a fantastic level, then you're going to uproot those people who are trying to sour it. It's still effort, and it doesn't happen automatically, but I, I agree with that. I think that's a really good insight, Evan. I, I agree with yeah. that, too. There's, there's quite a few players that I've known that were like, I'm not going to play you. I mean, it's not a fun game. Because there's many times, like, when we play with my, my group of guys when we play at the store, there's always this one guy's like, no, you can't take anything back, but I just let you take that back. And I'm like, but we're trying to be better as a group of players from our own meta to be, you know... So when we go as a group, we can perform well as a group. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just like, okay, then I'm just not going to play you. And then... We'll go back, and this guy's like, well, maybe if I would have had three more focus on my caster, it wouldn't happen. I says, okay, we'll put three more focus back on your caster, and we'll rewind it a bit. Even though I won, let's just go back and tech it and see what, you know, what would have happened. Because I don't have a problem with that. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just at the store. It's not like we're going to be getting, like, a freaking $50,000 check. Yeah, we're yeah, there to better each other. Pro, pro yeah. tip. I've won two Masters tournaments this year. There's not a $50,000 check even if you win there. What? What? (laughs) Here I am trying to be an awesome player and trying to get a a team up so I can go to the ATC. And, no, yeah, fuck that. I'm not going to be able to do that. What am I talking about? (laughs) I think think I'm going to take a team to the ATC this year. You can't. Why not? Because you got to take me. No, uh, I'm going to take Evan and Charles Sung and the rest of the team we haven't figured out yet. (laughs) <laughs> I'm in. I've been trying. If Charles is joining, then we're. I don't even need to do work. I, I, well, that's two wins. We gotta get I a did. third win on that team, Evan. <laughs> Can we just register three players and just win every round? Someone did ask right. that I could. Uh, I, I could play it. You know, what was the what was the chess player and just play like four War Machine Weekend games at a time, and wow. and, and and play the Masters like that, so I could win and get in. So. I actually want to take it, too, because I just... Okay, I'm a competitive... I I like competitive play, but I'm not, like, all into, you know, the exact science and down to percentages and stuff. I'm like, this looks like this works together. Or I'm like, (laughs) hey, what do you think about this? Let's just go with it, and I go and have fun. If I lose, I lose. Fuck it. I have a good... I go to have a good time. And I like to play competitive games. Do you mind if I talk about that for a second, Gunza? No, yeah, no. The play style you're describing is um, something that I've recently referred to as an intuitive... Um, and I think, I think there's a lot of value in that style of play. And I think fundamentally everybody who wants to be good at this game and wants to be good at clock management and good at a lot of the core concepts to doing well in a protracted event need to develop the ability to play well as an intuitive. Um, it's, it's my style of play. It's absolutely the way that I play the game. Um, but I, I've gained a lot recently, like in terms of trying to level up my own personal experience as a player by embracing some of the the more mathematical elements of the game and really looking at calculating the odds and calculating the averages and knowing those things. And I, I just, I, I wanted to say, first of all, on one hand, that's a really awesome way to play and power to you. And it's exactly the same way I do and I empathize with it. And also that as a personal weakness, I've grown a lot as a player by kind of trying to broaden myself from that. Well, I mean, like I said, what... We have that's what you're leave. excited about too, right? Like, yeah. I mean, whenever I go and I go to a tournament, I'm like, all right, I think this will work. I've got this down. I've played it a few times. I know the ins and out. 
Um, exa- example, when uh, it was playing, I mean, with the um, my card job list, I was like, I think this is we work. I think it does. It's got some good combos. It'll do out pretty nice. Okay, knockdown. I can do this, this, and this, and it worked out pretty well. Um, my second list was balls crap. So I mean, that just screwed me in the other one. But but that's how I play because I'm like, okay, let's go and get this. Let's try this out. Did it work out? Yes. Did it not? Well, I need to go look and see if I need a tweak. Or was it? Did I get screwed by dice? I'm a big, uh, big advocate of trying to own a loss. Like even if I lose a dice, ba- a game based on uh, dice being really, really strong for my opponent, I try to have a takeaway from it um, that that teaches me a lesson, that gives me something that I can really learn from. Well, I think yeah, you, you rarely lose a game on dice solely. Well, sure. my last game at MomCon, I had an assassination on Sorsha. All I had to roll was three, and I missed four <laughs> times. That, that's uh, that's, that's yeah. rarely, and, but it happens. It, we say it, rarely, we, we mean not, it happens. So I mean, it's, it was nothing on my fault of tech. It's just dice wit. Dice said, "Fuck it, Gonzo. It's time to go get a beer." And I went, "Okay," and I went and got a beer <laughs> after that. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it was a good beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, but I mean, and, and that's kind of what's the like, term? I'll, I'll, you can't win a ball. <laughs> yeah. And like yeah. I don't, I don't get upset about it. And I go crazy. I'm just like, well, fuck it. Yeah. That's what you got to do. But I, I like competitive play because I like being super competitive in the aspect that it's a, a good fight and it's not a hand me. And like I said, I don't get into the. Well, there's a point three chance you'll get this character. You'll you'll get this win over this model. Mm. And I'm like, mm, I'm not that into it. But most of those sticks are made up on the spot. I, I find a lot of people are like, oh, there's an X percent chance this happens. And even my quick math goes, no, that's not even close to correct. You're ignoring lots of stuff. <laughs> well, and that's also I, a reason why I like looking at so, other people's lists, too. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, yeah. What did they get? Because like, anytime someone posts, oh, I won a tournament 4 0 with Grimkin, I'm like, what did you use? Because yeah. I want to see. Sure. Um, well, yesterday I won a tournament 4 0 with Grimkin. Uh, <laughs> Did you I use played... the list that you that you Pardon sent me? me? Did you use the list that you sent me? Uh, no, I played Heretic Dreamer. I, I'm not sure if I sent you the Dreamer list. I'm playing um, uh, Pat Dunford's Dreamer list, um, which is actually funny because um, I mean it's it's largely his project, but it's something we've been workshopping in a Grimkin group chat for for ages, like since Lockham mode. Um, Pat Pat is a really extraordinary player, and um, he's taught me a lot of things about the Dreamer. And she's so much fun to play, and just does so many things. And yeah. I'm still playing maybe eighty percent of her kit. And like I, I walked by, uh, a number of players walked by a game that I was playing, and they said, "Like, did you not make any phantasms?" And I'm just like, "Too many things going on. Like, just forgot to make phantasms this game. That's fine. She's still a tier one caster even without that rule." <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I said, my first time playing her, I was like, "Shit, there's a lot of stuff." Holy crap, I'm not going to be able to remember everything. Yeah, it was... I, I enfeebled a Kraken, and it failed to kill a Cage Rager, and then the Cage Rager killed the Kraken. Oh, yeah. Damn, yeah. I didn't see that. My opponent was uh, a little bit upset about that particular exchange, but it felt really good from my perspective. <laughs> Enfeeble is a dumb spell. No, it's not. It's an awesome spell, Swamp Mist. Come on. It's, uh... I mean, it's dumb... 
Yeah, it's dumb. It's dumb. It's really, really good. <laughs> it's really good. It's uh, awesome. It's, it's doubly good when you enfeeble a Colossal and then you just run a Gremlin Swarm next to it, and you're like, can you deal with being minus four to hit or minus four to damage? Oh, and they're like, I... no. No, I cannot. Or just out of threat entirely and it didn't matter to begin with. Yeah, no, that's really, really good. <laughs> and they're like, okay, I moved this Warwitch Siren up, and you're like, Labyrinth. And they're like, oh, I really hope you don't roll that one. Uh, I saw Mist uh, mentioned in the chat something about uh, um, Grimkin or Crix at Boker Brawl. I seriously considered both. I, I talked it back and forth with uh, Brad and Mike for a bit, and we weren't sure if I should bring Crix or, or Grimkin. But I decided that I wanted to be really flexible for War Machine Weekend and have both options available to me. I'd be recording a bunch of Grimkin for the channel, so I wanted to have an event in which I could practice uh, Crix, just in case I want to play Crix in the Invitational at War Machine Weekend. I want to have both options. So That's I want to be in practice. Hey, Being in practice is important. Yes. And talk about War Machine Weekend. It is only, what, um, less than a month? Less than a month. Yeah. Less than a month. Evan, are you going? Yep. Yeah! Woo-woo! Yes. So uh, last year, in preparation for War Machine Weekend, I had only been playing Scorn for, like, a month. Uh, and my reading week, me and Tim played more than 30 games. Which, if you've ever played more than 30 games with Tim in a row, you don't win a lot of them. What? <laughs> uh, especially oh. when you've only been playing a faction for a month. Um, I won, like, two of those 30-plus games. But it did make me a lot more comfortable for the event. So, uh, play games, and you'll get better at this game. <laughs> your, losses, your losses genuinely teach you more than your wins, too. Mm, like, absolutely. I feel like you get to walk away from those games with real lessons. And you did you did pretty well at the Invitational that year, too, didn't you? Yeah, like, yeah. I think it was, I think I went 2-2, two and two, but uh, I won games I definitely shouldn't have, so... And with a faction that was really new to you, too. Exactly. And the relevant takeaway. Yeah. And that was before the errata, too, so... Well, I mean... Okay, War Machine Weekend. Of course, we're doing some sponsoring there. And if... Excuse me, I'm burping... Anybody's listening, next week I will be giving out a special code that you can say. If you find me at War Machine Weekend, you say this phrase, and I will give you a set of one of our dice plus one of our uh, column dice or special colored dice to go with it. Um, we have limited supply, so if you do that, find me at War Machine Weekend, first come, first serve. There's going to be a limited number of them. Um, other than that, War Machine Weekend is my shit. That's where I go, and we do all of our drinking, all of our partying. It's my end-all, be-all to the con season. It's my family. Um, it's going to be a bittersweet one this year, but it's going to be one that uh, I'm going to enjoy more than anything because I'm also, also running the Colossal Wrestling event. <laughs> so Friday night, if you are doing, if you have nothing else to do at 8 o'clock, come join the Colossal Wrestling because we will have three prizes to give away. We'll have the first place prize. Second, There is no second or third. The second prize is for the person that dresses up either their Colossal or themselves as the manager the best. Oh, and the so third, good. And <sighs> the third prize is whoever comes in with their best intro into the ring. So if you want to <laughs> grab, grab Hype Men, clothes, have an announcer, everything, you <laughs> name it. 
Um, and the prizes are legit. You have my the, word on it. They're oh, legit. Uh, I will be spoiling the prizes on next week's podcast, and I will actually have them and show them um, quite at different times. Um, they had to be special ordered. They had to come from Mexico. So, um, these prizes are <laughs> stupid cool. I've had to, like, been told to put them away and stop wearing them around the house. Oh. <laughs> I have some guesses that I will not say. Yes. So, I hopefully, if you, if, and, and like I said, it's a fun, if you know Colossal Wrestling, it's a fun, stupid event. So, hopefully you can come and do it. If you are 40 and older, come join the Senior Pro Tour. We do a lot of drinking. No. We do a shit ton of drinking and playing that. So, and it's also going to be an event if you're, like I said, only 40 and older. So, um, let's go with something really cool. That, Evan, you've been getting quite a few questions in the chat channel. People I like saw that. one of them. Has there been oh, there has. Oh, yeah, I did recently pick up all the Archidons. Uh What was the hidden deck? Blah, 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 blah. So, the thing is... Like, you can run seven Archidons with so many casters, and it's just not a bad list. Uh, the the big one is probably Xerxes 2, because you can just... You deal with nine speed nine Archidons in, like, one turn before they just crit pitch everything out of zones or kill your caster. Um, maybe? Maybe. Uh, the second one that I'm even more excited to try, that is maybe just a dumb gimmick list, but is maybe legitimate is Mordecai and just assassinating people. Because you just run Ryle to full and Essence Blast four Arcanons in their face, fully boosted, and they probably die. And that's the backup plan. Like, Uh, otherwise... Because you have... You're basically playing Fiana at that point, without Fury, but, like, a bunch of Def-17 Arcanons, do you deal with it? I I actually was assassinated... And that's how I lost. Almost, that's how I lost one of my spots uh, at Gateway Open. And Josh Simpson essence blasted me to death with the Archidons. It's legit. It is. Yeah, I was like, like I, I looked it's at. Very hard to at, protect yourself against. Yeah, I, I looked over at Chuck and I went, Chuck, and he's like, Yeah, it's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> he's not wrong, you know. No, I was like, Holy crap! So, um. Evan, you also had another question from someone else. Uh, and let's go into something that's actually been pretty big. <laughs> uh, and it's a huge, been, been a huge discussion. Oh, we discussed a little bit on. last week. My headphones. You got more? Uh-oh. Oh, Evan, I swear. Oh. The younger they get. Ruining everything. Uh, is it the one about themes? Themes. Um, and we want to talk about themes for a bit because that is the new norm. And someone did ask you about themes that you're going to be playing for Scorn, because you know, that's still kind of a new faction, in a way, because of all the tech that's coming out of them. So what do you think about all the themeless and Scorn stuff? I have so many plans. Uh, plan one is something that was a list that was basically it was already a thing, and it just got better with Imperial Warhost, is Zadesh plus a bunch of sentries. Um, still good. It's been out for a couple months, thanks to uh, Jan Con. <coughs> but yeah, uh, that's a thing. Gen Con? Spoiled first at Lock and Load, but yeah, whatever. That one. Uh, anywho, um, I'm really excited for the Immortal theme, uh, or the Exalted, as it's called. I played a lot of Zal 2 leading up to the Sioux, uh, and basically I'm playing the same list, but with more models, because 17 points is free now. 
Um, <laughs> more importantly, uh, I can give I can fit Nick Stoller Soul Ward in there now, so Zal Two gets Eyeless Sight when he goes for that stupid assassination run, which is amazing. Like it so means you might not have to cast Mage Sight. Yeah, it makes him stronger into Denegra, which is a big mm -hmm. deal. Yeah. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, I'm Makeda 2 with double unit of Ferox. That is basically the same list, but better. Um, but you get free Tycom. Uh, two free Tycom, which means your cat's threat an extra two inches. So they're going even further. Uh, I believe it's 18-inch threat now, maybe 20. Something like that. It's just stupid. Um, and I get Eilish in that list now, so... Ooh. Basically a straight swap for Orin Midwinter and probably an upgrade for the list. Yeah. St strictly better. Um, aside from that, Immortal, uh, the, as well as the Immortal theme with Xerxes 1, I think is incredibly strong. I did a video against uh, Norbert, a good friend of ours on the channel. Uh, you can see Immortals just killing scar-feeded Wraith engines. Because, okay. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. What? Spoilers. <laughs> oh, what else? There's just there's so many things I have to try. Disciples of Agony. Oh my god, I could go on for days about that one. Um, do you want to just spam better war beasts in general with Naresh? You can do that. Do you want to primal Archidons? Because that's amazing. You can do that. Do you want to play Morgul 3 in a ridiculous theme that solves his only problem, which is that he doesn't have a damage buff? You can do that. So I'm going to have a lot of fun with that. Uh, I think Disciples of Agony is, at first glance, really good. At second glance, missing something. At third glance, still really good. <laughs> yeah, it's... um. So, so my opinion of Disciples of Agony is it's not quite as good as everyone on the internet seemed to think it was when they were like, this is broken and OP. And that's still fine. <laughs> uh... Yeah, it's yeah, uh, still a really good list. And now, like, with all the CID stuff happening, more minions, I guess? The CID for minions right now is really interesting because it definitely is a bigger buff for minions than it is for Disciples of Agony, but it's still really compelling and really interesting. It's, it's also, it's, it's a super neat theme from a design space perspective because, like, forever, Scorn players are now going to be able to say, like, how does this minion release affect my Disciples of Agony list, and do I want to put that in a pairing because of it? Which I think yeah. Is cool. It's just, like, I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface on just the potential combos that come from that list, because you've got an entire new selection of War Beasts, for one, Animai for two, because just there's so many different Animai you add. Like, someone in the Scorn Facebook group was talking about the other day, a mammoth with lucky shot from the Splatterbore. And like, <laughs> okay, sure, go for yeah. it. Like, just stuff with reach from the Swamp Horror, and, well, Chain Strike Swamp Horror just adds four <laughs> inches of threat. Four inches of threat to whatever the hell you want, so whatever. Yeah. It's there's so many options and that theme list is just you're gonna see so many weird things coming out of that that will make you question like what does this do? Yeah. It'll be fun. I'm I'm excited to see where that goes. Oh and Masters of War is just amazing. Like there's so much you can do with it. It's uh it's really good. Um the Makeda Cats list almost had 
came into Ghost Fleet, but like was missing some really compelling tools and didn't have ready access to RFP, and now it just does. Because uh, I know I've talked a long time about how melee RFP isn't quite as like powerful or compelling, but when you've got an 18 inch threat on a jump cat, you can kill all the Revenant leader models. Like that's sure can. Yeah, yeah, that's almost effortless. Yeah, and then potentially like RQRA with Makeda one. That seems really interesting because you can make two units like effectively speed nine on a turn, and then they walk and get gak and then don't die because feet. Stop me if I if I shouldn't be going on because I will keep talking otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's go, with Tim. Tim, um, with all the mm-hmm. theme lists that came out, and we've got all these new ones and all the changes and everything that's coming out. What do you think are two and it can be any faction that are really really cool that you're gonna see that you think we're gonna see a lot of play of? And what are two that you think that may need some tweaking or we may not see a lot of? Um. Okay, so some some of the like I'll, I'll answer the latter part of your question first because I think it's the simpler one to answer. Uh, the first thing is some of these themes aren't done yet. Like some of these themes aren't going to be uh, a thing yet because they're missing. Mammals. Um, well, Mana Wars are missing the tanker and the the battle engine. Um, like Slaughter Fleet is a good example. Um, like it's missing the UA for the Ogre and it's missing the. Uh, additional releases uh, for living pirates. Um, but there's a lot of potential there, and that's actually the theme I'm most excited about because I love the Devil Shadow Mutineers. I played a ton of them in Mark II in Lich II, and they're just they're a really, really neat gun element, and they're a really cool narrative character set. So I loved playing them. Um, and I think Slaughter Fleet is going to be a really, really good list uh, once it has units to take that you actually want to take. And that's going to take a bit of puzzle solving. And you can see holes in that list where the UAs are going to fit to make the points work. Um, there's also a couple of theme lists in other factions that just, like, you think, like, there's just something that's not quite here yet. And if you're, if you're having trouble figuring out a theme, sometimes that's going to be the answer. Is like, they were fully honest about the fact that there's more coming, guys. Like this is this is a preview of things to come in a lot of places. Uh, themes that I think you're going to see right away getting dropped in um, are the ones that take. Uh, if if something looks like a list that was played before themes became really really popular and really really prevalent, and it now has a theme list, it's going to be played. Like um, the uh, Dawn Guard theme for Retribution, that you can just put two units of Sentinels into and then get free stuff. Like that theme is fantastic. It puts Helena back on the table in a really, really huge way. Um, it's it's a really, really strong theme list that plays some of the things that were really, really great but couldn't be put on the table because playing in a theme is so important and gives them advantages for playing it. The other thing that I think uh, is even bigger maybe than some of the new themes we saw are the merc changes. Those merc changes are going to put theme lists that previously weren't necessarily automatically being played and put them back on the table. Uh, I wanted to play um, Virus 1 in the Mage Hunter theme when it was spoiled, because my previous Virus 1 list was a whole bunch of jacks with infiltrators to apply flank really effectively, and I didn't. As soon as that theme was spoiled, I was like, awesome, I'm just going to play my existing Virus 1 list with a whole bunch of infiltrators, I'm going to get free things for it, and with the free things that I've got for it, I'm going to have an even better list. And as soon as the theme dropped, I was like, I can't take Silas, this list is terrible. And, (laughs) And like... 
the, the problem is uh, some of the support models are so essential to the toolbox available to certain casters. Like Virus 1 is a good caster because Stranglehold is one of the most powerful spells in the game, and even if Fury or Focus 6, he can still cast it with the damage multiplier that is Arcane Secrets. Uh, also, Arcane Assist, good rule. Um, he really, really appreciates uh, being able to put out an upkeep early and keep it to stay safe. He really appreciates the extra range for personal arcing of Stranglehold, and he really, really appreciates the, the arcing secrets element to it. And without those tools, I think he's a much more one-dimensional caster. And the problem is, this is a game that rewards depth of toolbox. Um, if you're just going to be a scissors list, you're going to lose to rock, and you're going to beat paper. But as soon as you're capable of transforming what your list has in its capacity, um, you sit down against a rock player and you're like, okay, I know exactly what I need to do and I know the vehicle by which I need to win this game, even if this matchup is not classically considered one brand favored. And things like being able to become a lockdown control style caster with Stranglehold were essential to making Virus 1 more than just a feet on a stick with a mobility spell attached to him. Uh, so now I can do that. Like, suddenly, I'm excited to play Virus 1 in Shadows of Retribution. And that's a way in which a lot of the old theme lists that were previously a little meh uh, got a lot more exciting because of these changes. And, like, putting Nis into lists and having them count toward free points for things like uh, Shadows of Retribution and um, uh, the Houseguard theme, uh, which I've forgotten the name of for a moment. Um, Defenders of Ios? Defenders of Ios, that's the one. Thank you. Um, like those themes gain a lot from those those things. Uh, and you see the same thing echoed across other factions. Uh, Kador is... <sighs> Kador got a ton from this change. And it's it's really small stuff that's very difficult to see in some places. The inclusion of Ion and Holt with Valachev in lists like Winterguard Command are game-changing. They mm -hmm. completely change what matchups that list can play well into, and they cost you probably a juggernaut in the Vlad 1 version of that list, and it's it's just, it's a damage upgrade. Like, it's very difficult to conceptualize what a two-point swing on the, the distribution of a bell curve can do, but it's it's humongous. Like, mm -hmm. Winterguard shooting at POW 12 instead of POW 10, they kill a, an entirely different spectrum of things. Well, and for Sorry, going go on your example, because my list at my last uh, at uh, Midwest Melee, it was Jaws, and then I took Sorcia 2 slash Winterguard type theme. Hmm. So I could have the Remove from Play and you know Shatterstorm and all that, and the Magical Weapons, because I had Ion and Holt. And now with this new introduction, I'm like, oh, Winterguard theme, here's my Ion and Holt now that I need. Hmm. That I yes. don't have to worry about. So. Yeah, and and that's a, I mean that's a really big deal. I, I think um, I think it was deliberate that Reinhold was not allowed in that theme force because uh -huh. I think it is still uh, it is still welcome and important that there be some weaknesses uh, in the themes. Correct. But uh, I think it's a deliberate weakness that Winterguard Command does not have a great answer to stealth, and I think it was a deliberate weakness that they didn't have a great answer to magical weapons, and that was an environment that was a bit too predatory. Uh, you needed Winterguard Command to have one less weakness than that. And while it's a bit of a boogeyman locally, and a lot of our players in Southern Ontario are particularly capable Kador players, um, I still think it's it's welcome to have uh, the right number of weaknesses. I think I think Winterguard Command is fair. 
Well, I mean, if you think about it, if if they allowed Reinhold and Iana Holt into the Winter Guard theme, you're eventually going to go, well, what other list do I need? Well, I can take care of your stealth. I can take care of your shooting. I have Shatterstorm. I have magical weapons. I'm not worried about much then. And then that <laughs> you get you pigeonholed mm-hmm. into always playing that. And because I was, as soon as I found out, you know, that we could have the Winter Guard and you have, you know, four men units with rockets, I was like, here, here's my Vlad 1, let's go for it, and let's just blow the shit out of everything. And then Ghost Fleet came out, and I was like, well, shit. That's not going to work as well. A weakness. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. So, yeah, and I agree with you. I think that, because a lot of people, especially some of the Kator players were, and I'm not saying all, of course, were, were mad that we couldn't take on a whole. I says, well, guys, you got a thing. If you had one list that can take on everything then you've got a nuclear bomb, and then why would anybody else want to play anything different? Truth. I mean, you got to lose one round of that tournament, right? Yeah. Well, and it's also <laughs> like the K-Door players got really upset that we lost no AD. Um, and really, I like the no ambush, because there are a lot of lists, lists out there that are taking ambush now, and that really pushes those lists to go, oh, well, shit, now i got to put them on the board. I actually have a thought about that since that's one of my stickler points. I wish they would have made it no ambush from theme lists. Because, because the models that get ambush pay for it and none of them are... You're losing points because of a theme list. Now, I, that's the one still stickler rule that I'm still... Ah, no good on. <laughs> <laughs> no bueno. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I'll, I'll respect where you're coming from on that, I think. But, but like... Okay. So AD is a delivery mechanism, okay? Ambush is a conditional delivery mechanism. Ambush's power level is contingent on the kind of list you're playing against. If your opponent's list wants to fan out really wide, Ambush is very, very strong. If your opponent's list wants to stay compact in a brick in the center of the board, Ambush isn't a particularly compelling rule. Murder Crows, who get Ambush from the Theme Force benefit in Bump in the Night, uh, I often AD against brick-style lists. Okay. Point made, point aside. Uh... Advanced deployment is a, a mechanism of not clogging up your deployment zone. Absolutely. So when they removed advanced deployment from, from some models, it wasn't just that those models had paid for that rule in their cost valuation. It was that it made lists very, very clunky to unpack, and oh. that experience made it really, really difficult to... Um, it was a material advantage that occurred in the game uh, in the psychology of the players playing it, not in the representation on the tabletop. And that's... Like, that's just a little meh. Like, it just feels really kind of shitty during that experience. Um, Every model has rules that they pay for that sometimes, when they're faced with an opponent, those rules are are mute. They're they're removed. Um, Ambush is the case in some theme forces, but let's say that I spend points on taking Ionenholt in a Retribution army so that I've got an answer to Menoth, and I don't play around against Menoth, well, Ion and Holt are considerably less effective because one of the best things they bring is the ability to give out magical weapons, and it's not relevant because of the kind of list my opponent's playing. That's so, different, and I don't want to get too far off topic, but sure, sure, sorry. The, the point is, is that uh, it's like Shadow Retribution. I have a, I, I have a problem with them getting the whole remove from play, ignore tough, because now a themeless is again taking points away from what you're paying for, and and I don't think either of these are insurmountable problems, and I agree that the ambush change is strictly better and and it, it was a good idea it keeps it thematic and 
doesn't hurt people's uh, ability to deploy and play their army as much. It's still just one of those things that's that's it still needs to get through my head a little bit. It's a little little weird to me. A little it, it bugs me occasionally. Okay, I don't mind respectfully agreeing to disagree. No, absolutely. <laughs> We're adults. We can do that. What? I don't think well, Tim's drinking enough because he's just not, you know, he's slurring his words. Hey, man, uh, if I drink too much, the what is described as American Tim comes out. And uh, <laughs> it's it's not a sight, gentlemen. I, I wouldn't want to inflict that on your viewers. That sounds oh. like you can see him at War Machine Weekend so you can meet oh, Tim. Oh, you will experience it at War Machine Weekend. Oh, and yes, a thing. I will be putting up the invite for cigars and scotch. Um... Probably like a Saturday night after all the tournaments. We sit on that back porch that are right next to the event. I'm really hoping I can get on that guest list. I, I don't know. Um, I may need to lock your hair, you know. Oh, but if you do that, I lose my Jew powers. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, it is actually 8 o'clock. It is time for our media section, and we will let John lead that off with whatever things we're working on. If you have any final questions, please put them up, and we'll answer them right before the podcast ends. Yep. That. Let's go to media. And we're at media section. And John, what is uh, your first movie to talk about? Well, I didn't watch a lot this week. I mean, actually, I did watch a couple movies, but one of them was for uh, uh, Minis and Movies Episode 3. So oh, can't talk geez. about that now. I already talked about that. No. Um, but I did watch uh, a classic Jean Claude Van Damme movie uh, today, uh, Time Cop, which is uh, generally considered to be one of his best. <laughs> it says something, actually. Because uh, I, think I haven't watched it in a couple years. French, but yeah, <laughs> possibly, possibly. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> it, it's a good, solid action romp. The, the whole presence, the whole whole premise is that uh, time travel has been invented, and they make a, a division to police it, which you would do if you invented time travel. Uh, basically, they've got they they go through and they stop people from mucking with time. And uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme is one of their agents. And a whole big plot comes of a guy trying to become president and stealing money to fund his campaign through time, and, and Jean-Claude Van Damme is thwarting him. Um, like I said, it's a good action romp. Uh, honestly, listening to some of it in the current environment is a little prescient because, boy, this guy's got some parallels to uh, to uh, Trump. It's a little scary. <laughs> um but overall, it's 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 not a great movie. The action's solid, um, but it's definitely '90s when they're really starting to feel out the American-style martial arts movie. So, the choreography is occasionally shit. It's <laughs> what? Like, why is that guy just standing there? I mean, occasionally you get some fights that are pretty good, but you can tell this is not them hiring. They haven't yet started hiring Hong Kong fight choreographers to get some really good stuff going. It's uh, it's it's pretty mediocre at points, but overall fun action. Uh, not terribly long, so only about an hour and forty minutes long, which is good. Uh, too much longer, you'd be adding all these subplots that don't matter. Um, uh, not too many other actors in it. Um, Ron Silver's in it as the uh, the evil senator. Um, Bruce McGill, who if you if you if you're old like me, you'll know who he is. He's been in a ton of stuff. He is great as the chief and of the uh, the Time Enforcement Commission and uh, Jean Claude Van Damme's best friend. Um, they they actually have a good uh, they have some good banter. You kind of get the feeling they are friends, you, so that gets across. Um, but overall, uh, kind of uninspired. It's based off a comic book. It was at the time it was a relatively unique 
perspective on things. It was, I mean, at the time it was great. Uh, nowadays you're like, eh, it's okay. Uh, I, I give it about two shots of Kraken. Uh, if you haven't uh, seen it in a while and you've got that wonderful uh, nostalgia for it, maybe check it out. It's on Amazon Prime for free. But uh, it is not going to be as good as you remember it. Trust me. What? But but it's Jean Claude. I, I love Jean Claude Van Damme, and I mean it's just but it's just so nineties. It's so nineties. It is occasionally painful. No, oh, gotta be careful. I think Evan Evan was like five in the nineties, so you have oh, to be careful. Seven born in the nineties. That was yes. <laughs> you do math. <laughs> I gave you the number already. It's twenty-one. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't born when this movie came out. Yeah, no, that's, that's unsurprising. So, uh, just uh, just take a <laughs> sip of the glass. Respect, respect. That's the only possible rebuttal to the circumstance you found yourself in, Evan. Just drink more. <laughs> people, people show me models that are older than me, and I'm just like, that's cool. Mm. I ha- I have one over here somewhere. I'm sure oh, probably. Talk. I don't doubt it. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Um, Mike was uh, was talking the other day about being really critical of a customer who came into the store because uh, she was really really excited for the release of the new Harlequins. And Mike was like, "You can't be excited for the release of the new Harlequins. They, I, I've been waiting for these new Harlequins for forever. When when they first came out with their shitty metal models that I had to play with, you were and then starts doing the math and realizes not born yet is the new <laughs> and uh, oh. Old Harlequins. How it is. <sighs> uh, quick, so, someone uh, save us with a movie. Yes, let's, let's go on Evan. Let's see what movie he's seen in the last like year that was actually recent. So, uh, Evan, you got a movie for us? So, last week I watched uh, not many movies. Oh, my God. Uh, I watched the season finale of Rick and Morty, which is not a movie, but that was pretty good. And I watched, uh, I watched Logan for the first time because I was really behind on that. Oh, oh my! Yeah. I'd love to yeah. hear your opinion. Uh, it is fantastic. There's a there's a couple moments where it's just like, eh? why would you do that? Uh, but um, it's also not the Logan that I thought it would be because I thought uh, I was like, oh Logan, you know, old man Logan with the weird post-apocalyptic comic book and like he kills the Hulk or something. That's not at all what this movie is. Not even close. <laughs> um. No, it was really good. I think yeah. it has some conceptual inspiration, but yes, but yeah. yeah, that For was actually sure. one of mine that uh, I had rewatched on Blu-ray just recently. So, um, I-, I agree. I mean, I was used to the old man Logan, but you can tell they mm-hmm. took inspiration from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's certainly like we're in a desert, and there's, there's like it's a it's a bit dystopian, and we go to this crazy casino because people still do that, apparently. Uh, yeah, no. And he's got the beard. That's the important part. He has the beard. He has the beard. Uh, that movie has all the feels. Uh, honestly, of all the superhero-style movies, I think that one has the most feels. Oh, by far. By far. And I was not ready for it. No. <laughs> like, oh, my I, man. I intentionally stayed like because I knew I didn't wouldn't see it in theaters just because I was busy when it was in theaters. But um, I stayed away from any spoilers like the pl- <laughs> like the plague. Yes, <laughs> sip strength. It's a good call. <laughs> oh my! Um, Love you, Evan. 
Evan, could you be more adorable? <laughs> <laughs> so, if you were to rate it on a, any sort of scale you want, uh, what would you grade it? On any... Well, you said you were doing drinks. Can I say enough to numb the pain? <laughs> <laughs> you absolutely can. Uh, enough to numb the pain. That's, that's okay. what it is. Okay. <laughs> that many. <laughs> Zero to start the film, five at the end. Yeah. <laughs> there, it'll be watered down a little bit with the tears. Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> which, which I think was a, what what really kicked the movie and made it over the top. Oh, yeah. Sure. Um, because I guess yeah. one of my movies I was going to review was that I rewatched Logan on Blu-ray, and had everything that I wanted from a Wolverine movie. All the combat, the fighting, the crap that you wanted to see Wolverine do in the original X-Men. The, I, I don't give a fuck, I'm gonna shove my knives through your face type thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted. And then when you get to the, when you start going on with the movie, you're like, wow, this guy is really fucked up. His life fucking sucks. And then you get to the end and you're like... No, I'm not crying. I got, got <laughs> dust in my eye. <laughs> oh, I didn't even pretend at the end of that. There, there, there weren't many dry eyes in the theater at the end. If there were, I no. watched that person like a hawk because that person has no soul. <laughs> yeah, and I think you have to report that person to a bureau of some kind. <laughs> Probably. Oh my god. Yeah. It, it, it's the best X Men movie, and I don't think it's close. Yeah. No. That was. I mean, even. it was shot really well. Um, the characters were really good. Um, you actually, I actually felt really, really bad for Professor X. Mm-hmm. I was like, this yeah. guy's life is fucked. Yep. Oh, yeah. And he felt so bad for himself. Yeah, it's, uh, his, his whole narrative trajectory, I mean, Sir Patrick Stewart is one of my favorite performers. I think he's just unbelievably subtle in the facial expressions that he has the capacity for. Um, but, man, does he just destroy in this film. And I mean, yeah. like, Hearts and minds, like every scene he's in, I just wanted to kind of weep openly. Yeah, I mean, because you feel bad for him, just not only because of physically, but you find out mentally why. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and it's a very powerful uh, allegory for anybody who has like older parents who might be in the situation where like not everything's there anymore. Yeah. And I've dealt with a little bit of that in my life, and it's like it's a very very real experience, and it's it's hard to take. Oh yeah. Yeah, I was. You know, like I says, I like I said, I, I kind of agree with Evan. N- no alcohol to begin with, but at the end, you're like, so yeah. Um, I think I'm gonna take a few shots right now and just yeah. numb it away. Uh, Yeppers. So Tim, you got anything you want to talk about? Um, yeah. So I I watched a couple of films on the plane ride back from Munich. Uh, that that happened this week. Um. Both of them were films I'd seen before, but I guess they were rewatches for me. Uh, the first one was La La Land, which I loved. Um, very, very visual film. Definitely not something to watch on a plane. Uh, it's got a lot of inspiration from like musicals and parts of like the the Hollywood era, um, kind of golden age. Uh, lots of shots that are homages to it. But the real stars of that film are just the amazing chemistry between Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, which just like steals scenes. Like the part of the film where she requests Iran from him in the middle of the like their '80s style band performing at the party, just like just crushes it for me. It's one of the funniest scenes in movies I've seen maybe in the last five years, and they've got a lot of really really strong scenes. Nicely made film. I, I liked it a lot. I didn't need to drink to enjoy it. And uh, then I also watched uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, 
which was oh. also on the plane ride back. Holy crap! Uh, if y'all are reading my mind, because that's my second one. Oh, sweet. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I was actually talking uh, with my partner Laura earlier today about how I'm really excited for them to make the second one in that that series. Um, I like that they're trying some slightly riskier things. Um, one of the points I was going to make about Eddie Redmayne's performance uh, and the way that the film's written is a lot of the ways that he is as a character are very um, masculine ways of handling traditionally feminine virtues. And let me explain that a little bit more. Uh, I think that character is a little bit of a rebuttal to toxic masculinity. Like, he talks about being mum to all of these animals, and he's a very nurturing, kind of caring individual who has a lot of respect for loyalty and a lot of respect for kind of kindness in a sort of really incidental way, and is quite critical about... Um, two elements of uh, American wizarding society. One, that they have this sort of disdain for muggles and don't believe in, you know, human relation or uh, wizard relationships with uh, non-magicals. And also that they've got this sort of fear and loathing of magical creatures. And obviously, he's pretty invested in the notion of magical creatures. And you see this kind of, this this real tenderness. And I've, I've seen it a bunch in the way that Eddie Redmayne portrays characters in a variety of the films that he's made. And he obviously makes some conscious choices about, like, kind of the rebuttal to that toxic masculinity but the notion that you can't be nurturing and very very male at the same time is um, firmly refuted by that film I think you'll see a lot of um, it's it's, a, it's an, a not uncomplicated film to watch if you're somebody who's grown up as a man being kind of told there's a certain way to live It's it's I, I, I dig that particular element of it plus like wizards and shit <laughs> Wizards and shit. So, uh, Congo wants to know if he didn't care for Harry Potter, will he like beasts? It's definitely more an adult film. I guess it probably depends why you didn't like Harry Potter. If you're like, the whole conceit about wizards living among us is sort of stupid, this is more of that. Um, <laughs> if if you just don't go in for the, like, the whole Hardy Boys notion of like kids away at a boarding school, like coming of age tale, this isn't really that at all. Um... There's more of a mystery to it. Uh, the narrative trajectory is quite different. Um, there's a tradition in the books like Swallows and Amazons and the Hardy Boys and all of that sort of British boarding school um, concept, even uh, C.S. Lewis's Narnia series, uh, of them following kind of a like um, fall, winter, uh, spring sort of narrative trajectory that tells mm -hmm. you kind of like their year goes on but also the plot kind of follows the same sort of way uh this isn't that at all like this is an action adventure story like this is um you know somebody shows up uh he's got a whole bunch of magical monsters and creatures and through the lens of an established uh capable british wizard we learn about like what the wizarding world is like in north america in the 20s so it's a it's a fun 20s film like that's very um, it's got kind of a romantic appreciation for the style and the fashion and kind of how life is um, but it's also like a story about magic and a story about um, adversity and a little bit of injustice like there's a bit of a look in American history critically at some of the things that we're, we're both trying to overcome now and have also done a pretty good job of overcoming and so I took that away from it too, but what I thought was very interesting was, you know, I I never got into the Harry Potter books. When mm -hmm. I started hearing about Harry Potter was the movies and at the end of the books and, you know, when everything was starting to hit 
type that. And I was like, oh, this sounds pretty cool. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read the books because the movies are coming out, and I don't want to spoil myself and go, well, the movies sucked ass compared to the books. And right. so I never read the books. And then when I heard, so I waited till the movies were out, and then I heard they were gonna make this into a movie. I was like, oh, I'm not gonna read anything or know anything about it because I just want to go in a clear mind. And I love the Harry Potter world. Uh, I think it's amazing. It's fun. It's got a. It was a. It's a new twist. It's the new Star Wars per se. It really uh, is, yeah. Uh, per se for the, the the generation that grew up with these books, um, and I totally get it. I, I I love Harry Potter. I love the story, and I watch this. And usually when I'm painting my minis or working on minis, I always have a movie on. And many times I had to stop because I wanted mm-hmm. to enjoy this movie more. Um, mostly because I wanted to learn and know more about the world. Um, like, when they he goes into his suitcase and you see all the creatures and you, I was like, this is amazing. This is cool. Um, and I enjoyed the story. I kind of got lost on a couple of things. I don't know a lot of the background and you know the behind the scenes of all the characters um, because it just was over my head a bit. But going at the very end... And I had to sympathize, and I can't remember his name, was the the baker guy. The guy that was... Dude, yeah. I, I felt really bad for him. I was like, no, fuck y'all. If I was him, I'd have ran like a motherfucker as far as way. Because knowing what I know, and I'd have to go back to a world where the world is plain and boring, knowing that I know that magic is around, I would have like beat the fuck out of somebody if they would have tried to have taken that knowledge from me. I understand I, I, the reason why. Sure. But, I mean, to me, if I, I put myself in his shoes and I went, all right, there's this world out there that is an amazing world that I'll never experience because I'm not a wizard and I know about it. And I, I, I want this. I want to be part of this. And I was like, you can't take that away from me. That would mean, of course, I would never know because it would take it would be taken away. But I felt really bad for the guy because at the end, whenever he's like there, he's like, I understand you have to do this. But you can tell it was breaking his heart that he mm-hmm. wasn't going to know. Well, and I think that's uh, I think that's one of the virtues of Mr. Kowalski in the, the film is that um, he's a little bit bumbling, right? Like, and there's mm-hmm. some, some comedy there, but he's so virtuous. Like, not only does he want to just jump into a fight that he has no place in because he's so outclassed by these people with all this magical power, but, you know, he gets that scene and they're like, okay, this is the thing that has to be done. And I think I think anyone would want to run from that scene. Like I think anyone would want to get out of that moment as quickly as possible. But he has so much admiration for them and so much respect for them that like he he kind of embraces it. I don't know. I think I think there's something really admirable in in him, and I, I really it resonates with me. Yeah, I, I guess this. He he goes back and he goes. I understand the reason why I have to not know about this stuff. But I mean, you could tell that it was going to break his heart that yeah. he wasn't going to get to know all this stuff eventually. So I mean, that was that 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 hit me more than I thought it would. I was like, "Fuck!" Yeah. All my life, I've always you know, we're all gamers and we're all nerds and we all like all this stuff. I mean, how would you like it if you eventually found out that magic was real and was around you all the time? And then you're like, well, now I'm going to have to not never know that again. Your life, you know, at that moment, your life is never going to be the same. But you understand why I had to do it. Yeah, I'm lucky because I'm literally a wizard. But yeah, the rest of you guys are stuck. Well, I'm a Jedi, so <laughs> I have to worry about that. I'm an asshole? Well, and Evan's 12, so we're okay. 
<laughs> he doesn't have no. to find out magic is real for years. Those numbers are backwards. backwards. Oh, God. Sorry. Sorry. Um, so, Tim, what would you give it um, <laughs> on shots of Kraken or alcohol? Um, I I think it's a it's a solid it's a solid zero film, and I think it, it, it has a good emotional center at the end of it. I think you're gonna want one just to empathize with Mr. Kowalski. Um, I think uh, I think you don't you don't have to drink to enjoy this film, and I think there's enough going on that it could be kind of challenging if you were seriously intoxicated. But uh, one one shot and the wizards start to really leap off the sky. <laughs> I agree with you on that. I mean. I wasn't drinking when I watched it, and I still enjoyed it. Um, you could not know a lot about Harry Potter, also, and just very, yeah. very, very little, and still enjoy the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's the cross cross thing between the difference between uh, European or overseas wizards and American wizards. So it kind of plays off, and you're like, oh, muggles, and they're like, no, we don't call them that. Um, you know, that type thing. So, I mean, you could get that no problem. Yeah, there's maybe, like, one scene where it's just like, oh, well, Hogwarts is the best school. Well, no, the American one, which I forget the name of, is the best school. Yes. That's you're about like, it. You're like, okay, what was it? And, and Special effects were amazing. Everything was fun and interesting. Um, I do miss, you know, the Harry Potter movies and the, the genre, I guess you could say. Um, I'm kind of waiting, and I guess Star Wars is the next one. That You know, the next three would be our next big thing that makes us all go ooh and on we get erections for you know six or seven years because of this type of genre of movie yeah i mean i'm i'm a big star wars fan because i always have been and i'm i'm also jazzed for thor ragnarok which is coming out next month so you know, it's, <laughs> yeah it's looking good there's it, there's a lot of fun things in, in media right now to keep me excited what about Justice League? Is anyone actually excited for Justice okay. League? Okay, hang on. Justice League. Here's the here's the problem. DC keeps fucking it up and doing everything wrong and terribly and is just the worst. Except for Wonder Woman was really, really good. And I totally dug it and really appreciated it. And I am really glad they got the opportunity to do it and there were scenes in it that were just absolutely beautiful. And I am now conflicted again. I- I'm on the fence with you. I mean, I... Batman vs. Superman, uh, mean pile of shit. Uh, 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 Wonder uh, Woman, great movie. Uh, done really well. Um, really fun. And then DC, you know... <sighs> Justice League, I'm hoping it's good. I really am. I'm hoping it's good with all of my being. Because, one, Jason Momoa is amazing. And I can't wait to see him as Aquaman. <laughs> he seems uh, amusing. Yes. He seems like he's going he's gonna to make it. Um, I just, I'm with you on this. Like, please don't fuck this up. Yeah, I mean, don't fuck this uh, up. Zack Snyder had to leave the project, and they got Joss Whedon to come in to do the reshoots and the post editing. A lot of those films are made in that process, so I don't know. I don't know if I should feel excited about that because I loved the Avengers and how well he does with kind of big team ups. It's sort of one of his narrative specialties, uh, or if I should feel anxious that we've got a project that a director bailed on halfway through, and another director's coming in trying to save the project and preserve the original vision, while he's got limited access to things like reshoots and character time, uh, and minimal contribution to the script. So, yeah, no, the whole thing seems like a, like a giant dumpster fire that maybe is filled with gold, and we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about being 
filled with gold, and we got it coming up, and we only got like two months. The Last Jedi. Oh, uh, I'm I'm having trouble not getting too hyped. So like, I know everyone loves Han Solo, and I get it, but Luke Skywalker was my childhood hero. Yes. And like, I was the six year old kid watching Star Wars for the first time, rented from the VHS store with my parents, and like the end of Empire Strikes Back, like blew me away and totally and like i like i wanted to be luke skywalker i wanted to be this this kid who was brought into this world of i'm gonna say wizards i know jedi aren't wizards they're different because they they're use space magic. wizards it's yeah, okay no. but like i wanted to be that wizard and i wanted to be part of that world and that that whole experience and i wanted to discover that i had this this magic power i could have and that i could bring good back to a world filled with evil um and this the, the hero's journey he goes through like i know that empire strikes back is the best film and that you know new hope is is groundbreaking and amazing and in 1972 no one had ever seen anything done like that before but like as a child the experience of watching return of the jedi was this triumphant return of this this hero who I just developed so much admiration for, and he was no longer like the plucky kid hoping to find a mentor to teach him how the world worked. Like he was the hero, like that we finally deserved to kind of come into his own and become this kind of person worthy of this great admiration who discovered this this nigh enlightenment truth about the world and was ready to kind of be that. So like to return to that character, like that one that we finally know this way, um, I mean, I'm excited. I'm I'm very prepared to be just like kind of destroyed by how disappointing it is, but I'm really excited about the director. Like, I mean, this is the dark, edgy director who brought us Looper, right? I mean, we're I'm I'm kind of a little bit too excited for this. So, what's your prediction? Do you think Luke is going to die in this episode? Uh, I, it doesn't matter to me, I think is the answer. Um, thematically, I think uh, like it's ultimately going to be a story about the new characters, and I think has to be. Um, I think that's that's what we learned from the new film, and I think it's an excellent you know point. Um, I'm really, really happy with the the new cast. I think they're doing a really excellent job of you know capturing the magic of Star Wars for a whole new generation. Um, and and I just, I, I want it to be good and nothing will disappoint me as long as it's good. I agree. That's I mean, I, 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 I'm looking forward to it because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I mean, so much Star Wars crap around my house. Um, I grew up with it. That's my Harry Potter. And so I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. I'll probably take the day off from work and go like to the midnight showing. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to go it. to the midnight showing and then the next one. So, and then the next one. <laughs> the next one. Yeah. I mean, because that's just, you know, it's it's something I'm looking forward to. I mean, and, and to see Luke Skywalker come back. Like you said, he was my childhood hero that went mm. from the plucky farm boy to I'm going to fuck you up type dude. <laughs> and, I, I, and I fully expect him to pass away in this one. Uh, my prediction is, like, he's going to die by the hand of Kylo Ren. And I'm perfectly fine with that. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with my hero dying because I yeah. know what's coming after that. His death's going to mean something. Or I, I hope his death is going to mean something. I don't have a problem with my heroes dying if their deaths are meaningless. I mean, I, I, Correct. Just, uh, I just need it to be... Like, I need it to be thematic value. If you yes. told me that, like, 
the point of this film is that like fundamentally life is meaningless and we're going to approach themes of nihilism and we're going to engage with some of the ideas about how absurd reality is and Luke Skywalker is going to die and it's going to feel really pointless and really harrowing but you're going to be really affected by the film I'm like I'm in let's do it let's yeah. let's reforge what it meant to be young and like you know challenge some of my expectations um if you tell me he's not and he's gonna retire happily to florida and it's gonna be awesome and you're gonna really love this film anyway i'm gonna be like all right well let's see how this goes like i just need it to be good if it disappoints me i'll be really sad and again my expectations are already too high it's it's a problem yes just watching the trailer you're like uh, freaking out over everything evan is there anything you're looking forward to you know what Star Wars is, right? Yes. Okay. It's actually funny point. Uh, I am of the generation that would have grown up with Harry Potter, and I didn't watch any of the movies, and I didn't read any of the books until last year when I was. Uh, I, I hesitate to say contractually obligated by relationships, um, but <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait, what? You've never seen Harry Potter? Uh, so that's something really that needs to be solved. And I mean, they were fun. Uh, but I definitely, like, I... And my exchange was, well, now you have to watch Star Wars because you've never seen Star Wars before. Uh, which is strange, considering I grew up when the prequels were a thing. <laughs> uh-huh. And, like, that was bad, right? And then mm-hmm. I watched the original movies and was like, oh, I get it now! I get why this this is actually a thing people enjoy and <laughs> don't want to kill themselves over. Yep. Um, but no, I'm definitely looking forward to new Star Wars. Um, yeah. I don't know, but I'm happy with. Uh, I'm I'm mostly looking forward to Thor Ragnarok, honestly. <laughs> that trailer was super solid. Yeah. yeah, they really did really good with that that trailer. Did you? You guys, I assume, are Rick and Morty fans because you're adults in our generation. I haven't seen any. Oh, I, yeah, uh, I have not seen any because I, I don't have cable. I am just watching it. Use now. the internet. It's a series it's of tubes everywhere. Yeah. Um, so anyway, just go watch it. You can stream it. You can download it. You can whatever. Like, there's a million ways to watch Rick and Morty. It legitimately does get stronger and stronger every season. But uh, I guess I'm only saying this for Evan's benefit and anyone on the uh, the stream who's a Rick and Morty fan. But there's a really great recut of the two brothers bit from International Cable over the Thor Ragnarok style. Like, okay. it's a story of two brothers, and but there's the Hulk, <laughs> and also, also there's this guy, and he's doing a bunch of things with some other people in this room, but it's about two brothers, and one of them uh, is also Odin, and it's, it's really good. It's, that sounds fantastic. Uh, uh, I'm sad that it's this season's over, and we're going to have to wait like a year and a bit. Or four, and maybe we'll have big, long, white beards and grandkids by then. Yes. We also have, um, let's see, what's coming up? New Walking Dead coming up. So if you're a Walking Dead fan, that is coming up shortly. See, I'm a Walking Dead fan. I I have not uh, watched it since season two. Um, And uh, I'm sure there's really great things that are totally redemptive about it. But like in the middle of season two, I just got stuck emotionally on that farm and couldn't get off. <laughs> I, I feel like before, actually. <laughs> I feel like everyone has that. I stopped watching Walking Dead at this point story, and for me, it was just like the beginning of when Negan did his thing, and I was just like, "This isn't what I was expecting at all." See, and that's the reason why I do like it. I like movies or shows that challenge me, and like, yeah, the good guys get fucked because a lot of good guys do get fucked. 
I don't I don't mind. I, actually, the, the Negan plotline excited me. I was like, how many seasons do I have to watch to get caught up to the part where we get Jeffrey Dean Morgan being a badass? Uh, it turns out, like, 50. Um, but, they they yeah. are taking their liberties with the time frame, I will tell you that, compared to the, what the comic book is going with. As in yeah. faster or slower? Because I never read the comic. Okay. No, they're actually a lot slower um, because the Negan scene was supposed to happen like two seasons ago. Oh. So I can understand. There's a lot of people who are like, um, this should have been done a while ago. Fair enough. Ooh! We got on a try rate and talking that we are actually three minutes over, guys. Oh, my God! Um, we are over our time. You know, they charge us by the minute here, and, you know, Evan has to pay the bill. So we don't want to have to make him pay much anymore. Anything else? Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that big fat paycheck you get and that metric money you have. Metric <laughs> money? <laughs> and free healthcare. There's a hundred metric pennies and a metric dollar. It's really weird and different. Yes. So we, we but don't easier that. to count to keep track of. Yes. Wait, we don't yeah. have pennies anymore. What are you talking about? <laughs> We got rid of those like smart people. Oh, that's American. Um, <laughs> it's not useful. Why do you have a penny? Uh, it's not it's, my decision. It's not our decision. I mean, they're good right. hobby projects. <laughs> if we don't have pennies, how can we make it hail? Uh, with nickels. We're just toonies, obviously. That's expensive. <laughs> yeah, no, but but we have free healthcare, so we don't have to worry about. Oh, fair them. enough. What? <laughs> All right, guys, God, it is so time famous. to shut this down. And another one. I appreciate everybody coming on. Thanks for I, coming on, guys. It was a lot of fun. It was a pleasure for having us. We'll see you well, guys in Formation Weekend, or at least you'll see me at least. Weekend, though, yeah, I will be there. Um, Johnny should so, come. It's a lot of fun. I can't. It happens right during inventory, and I am not permitted to take off work during inventory. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. So, for more than dice, I'm Gonzo. I'm John. And for Arcane Assist, that is... Tim. I'm Evan. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks, guys. Bye. You can't leave us yet. We make jokes. Oh, yeah, there's music yes. playing, there's something witty right before it ends. And we yeah, can't do like, it. There's no way to tell exactly when that is. Yeah, you're not here. Oh. I'm worried. Like, I have to pee really, really, really bad. I'm good this time. I, I have to pee in a normal way. So, how'd we do? I, I don't even know. Like, are there standards? Have we set them? Have we <laughs> We don't have standards. Our bar is very, very low. It's important that it's there, though, right? It exists. What exists? The bar. Admitting the bar. it is the first step.